Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. We got you covered. 100.5 FM. It's where you're at. Metro FM Talk with Ayabonga Tawe. Friday, the things they happen. Okay, Shab, we would have faced left it just like that, ne? But then the the white guys did send a, a voice note saying, yeah, this covers what, 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 and this is a cover school, and we must go to apartheid, what, what, what. We didn't, uh, we, the learners at 1162, the teacher, the teacher said, we must leave it just like that. Then the parents of the white kids came in the situation. They went on Facebook, they posted things on Facebook. We reacted, we went and said, no, this is wrong what you guys are saying. And then I got threatened saying they're going to kill me. I am not safe here anymore at Yanfil Union. And the school wasn't so. The racism was there, but it wasn't like it is now. I would like to speak on behalf of the... I would like to speak on behalf of the spiritual children of the school. Yeah. We have been victimized. We have been victimized for having things that we cannot control. A few teachers making remarks behind our backs, calling us demonic, calling it witchcraft. I got removed from the school premises for two terms for something that I could not control. Now I cannot, I cannot be in metric. I have to be, I have to repeat a grade because of them. Yeah, as you can hear in that clip, and uh, yeah, uh, apologies there for the strong language uh, in that uh, clip, as you would have heard. But uh, yeah, indicative of the tensions and how high those were outside Wurskwell, Jan Yun in Ranfontein. And uh, there, the uh, remarks made by two uh, pupils at the school, Gauteng Education MEC Panyaza Sufi visited the school following uh, these uh, allegations uh, of a fight between black and white pupils, the tensions between the two parent bodies, and the parents were also there, some protests saying they're tired of their children experiencing racism in the schools. And the big question we ask tonight is uh, what instruments do we have to confront racism in our schools? I mean, for, for a young person to say, you know, the racism wasn't so bad, but now it's something else. Now, that speaks volumes about how persistent these challenges are in our schooling system. Joining me this evening to take a look at this is Dr. Jerome Yurst, lecturer in the Department of Education Policy Studies in the Faculty of Education at the University of Stellenbosch. Dr. Yurst, good evening and welcome. Good evening, Ayabonga, Daniel Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for coming through. Dr. Yurst, it seems we're here again. Uh, I mean, I can mm-hmm. take us back as early as 1995, 96, Andris Babele in uh, a school, I, I think in uh, what is now Limpopo, um, same issue, um, and you fast forward to what we saw at Pretoria High School for Girls, to the hair issues, to the nose ring issues we've seen in many schools, to the flare-ups we saw in at uh, Sansuchi, out in Cape Town. It seems this is something that flares up from time to time and uh, with an alarming f- uh, frequency. 
What are we seeing here? And more importantly, I guess, uh, from a policy perspective, what is it showing us? Well, look, um, I think we shouldn't be surprised about, you know, what are we seeing? Because, uh, like some authors would call it, this is very much still part of the unfinished business mm. of, of the 90s, the early 90s. We had a negotiated settlement, but that settled some of the aspects of, of you know, South Africa, and it didn't actually address the issue of racism. And uh, but, but before we talk about racism in general, I think, um, you know, the, the the nature of school also have kind of changed. We 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 seem to, seem to have ditched the social aspect of education for the more business end of it. You know, chasing numbers and pass rates and so mm. on. Um, we live in a more polarized world where, where, where access to resources has become more, you know, scarcer. And it seems in South Africa, at least, that those who have, um, as opposed to those who have not, get access to education and what we call quality education that propels their kids and gives their kids an advantage to enter higher, into higher education and then, you know, pursue their educational aspirations and get jobs in the, in the, in the job market where jobs are scarce. And it seems like little has changed and since, um, you know, the early 90s, we still have a, a two-tiered education system where which houses very much, houses the majority black and poor mm. students on one end and the minority or those who have students on, in other schools. We have given, you know, we have changed schools' names now. We've, we've, we've spoke, we, we refer to its model C now you know, public schools, but we've also changed, uh, uh, you know, school principals, our managers. We've, we've changed schools, you know, to become more business-like. Um, some public schools, you know, are actually allowed to operate like private schools, mm. charging exorbitant fees and using all kinds of um, um, what I would call covert exclusionary practices. Um, some schools in terms of the management and, and governance structures, there's mm. no very narrow-minded ideas of what a South African identity sure. is or the global citizen identity is. And very often you find schools making symbolic rather than real transformation changes at the schools. And it doesn't help changing a school's name or adding, you know, is it because of phrase to the school's anthem, but, but, but the institutional culture of the school, school remains very much, you know, um, um, you know, going in one direction. Mm. And of course, the instruments, we have instruments available um, to confront these issues at school. I mean, we just have to look at our history. Uh, we have a history of segregation that caused a lot of anxiety and hurt and violence that still persists. Um, we have a wonderful constitution that is, you know, um, you know, respected around the world. But a problem is uh, the people. And that gets me to, I think, the other part of your question. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll pause there for a moment. Yeah, let's pause there for a second because I, I want us, I mean, I think you, you've painted very well the lay of the land uh, of this very, you know, maybe the word is like, you know, two-tiered form of public mm. education system. And uh, yeah. for, for the purposes of this discussion, let's place the independent private schools on one side uh, because there's also stratification even within those. But within the public schooling system, this idea of Model C or what are they called, Section 21 or, or you know, those mm. type of schools 
that have mechanisms for self-financing, largely through, you know, many of the parents that we saw fighting among one another there. But also the sense then, Jerome, that these are schools that are seen as public schools. But how you mm-hmm. define that public um, mm-hmm. is where, I guess, the complications start. I mean, Yan Phil Yun, mm-hmm. just by the name, already tells you that this is a school that would have been, I guess, within the ambit and the domain of the Afrikaans community. And they would jealously guard uh, its continued presence in, in a very particular form. And then on the other, uh, a more, I guess, aspirant, sort of lower black middle class interested in, you know, getting the opportunity to send their children to these schools where, that are better resourced than maybe some of the schools uh, that, um, I guess, have emerged from the system of Bantu education. How does policy allow us to reconcile these issues, if at all? Um, and what are some of the unfinished businesses, not just of dealing with racism, but also of dealing with a regulatory power response to it? Yes. Now, that's a great question. Look, we, we, we are living, we are operating education as a whole. I think the landscape has, you know, it's become very regulative. Um, we, we operate in a very regulative environment. But unfortunately, regulations um, are not enough. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can, you can. I like to say to my students, you can be right, but at the same time, unjust. Mm-hmm. And so there's a difference between, you know, adhering to the law, and following the law, or at least seem to be following the law, and then how it is perceived or how it is experienced by those, you know, present in that community. So there's, there's been a number of cases. I mean, there's so many examples of where some schools would argue, but look, we are following the law. <clears throat> but the interpretation of the law um, doesn't speak to nation-building or social cohesion. In fact, it, it, it speaks to, 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 you know, traditional rights and very narrow-minded ideas of, of what the purpose of school should be or what democracy is and what it means to live, you know, in harmony and social cohesion with others, what othering means. So very narrow-minded mm. ideas. And so, you know, there's been utterances in, in the general public about the Constitution and, and, and you know, the, the, the case about the minister's utterances and so on. But it, it, one, it makes one think, and I'm obviously not supporting that statement, but it does make one think that um, the issue of power, you know, how power plays a role in, 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 in a lot of these things. I mean, we can take it at, from different levels. So let's do this. Let's do this, uh, yes. um, Dr. Jerome. I want us to pause here for a second. We've got a spot break, and then when we come back, I'll allow you to continue on that. For sure. Lalela, there's no better time to be all lovey-dovey with your special somebody mgani. But if you prefer the big five overstuffed animals, take a short lift over short-lived gift this month of love. It's all about beaches over bouquets, canoeing over candles, and mountain peaks over perfumes. Visit shortlift.co.za and book your vacation. After all, it's your country. Enjoy it, because nothing's more fun than a short lift. Remember, hashtag TravelWise Mzansi. T's and C's apply. World Radio Day. Radio. The theme for 2022 is radio and trust. Did you know radio is still the most widely consumed medium on the planet? Radio Day for all voices to speak out, be represented, and heard. Yes to radio. Yes to trust. The theme of Radio Day. 
voice notes now. 079-191-4270. The headlines. The headlines on Metro FM Talk. Eight minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned in to the headlines here on Metro FM Talk. We make sense uh, tonight of uh, the uh, uh, unfolding developments at Wurskwell Jan Fulun in Randfontein, what they tell us about our um, uh, you know, education system, the post-apartheid education system, what they tell us about the limitations also of regulation and policy in dealing with the unfinished business of segregated uh, basic education in South Africa. And uh, I guess, uh, yeah, nearly 30 years uh, since 1994, um, the continuing challenges of trying to deal with uh, the uh, tensions that we often see rising up. And uh, Dr. Jerome, you're still talking us through, I guess, some of the limitations of uh, um, regulation or even, I guess, uh, taking a very formalistic approach to this. Uh, but one wonders, I guess, what, what levers we have at our disposal at a societal level to uh, confront and even subvert, um, you know, uh, some of the... Um, Things that we see spilling over in very particular forms. I said earlier on, it's sometimes about hate, sometimes about you know acts of violence or, or you know uh, preferential treatment for certain groups. But it, all of it in the main is really, um, I guess, uh, you know, symptomatic of uneven power and unequal power relations right. happening within our communities. You summed it up perfectly, Ebonga. And and you know, it's so sad to see. It's almost every year we we see this occurrence of um, either in 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 different forms, you know, um, and people call it racism. Um, I I you know I I tend to be a little bit uh, more cautious um, because we also have to understand you know when when issues play, we first have to understand from all perspectives all, uh, before we also you know just jump. On, on, um, somebody reads or sees something on Facebook mm. and there's just a picture um, and then because 50 uh, people before you call it racism, you jump on that bandwagon and that's, that doesn't help, right? But I think there's a lot we can do as a country and I've said this in the past, at a national level, I, I firmly believe that we need a national a national memorandum of understanding and, and this understanding is, is a national conversation, a conversation and a listening exercise, you know, a tolerant exercise, so that we understand there are different ways of seeing things. There's different perspectives of education. There's just different histories of education. There's different cultures mm. in education. And we need to understand that we are south of Africa, right? That is an important point. Mm. And the the, the time that we find ourselves in history, there we have the legislation in place, but that's not enough. We need people in SGBs and decision-making structures at school level who don't have narrow-minded views of what transformation and democracy is, and who don't introduce some policy changes, you know, but real changes, so mm. that learners can feel part and parcel of, of the school culture. And it happens at simple, you know, very, very... Uh, very simple levels like would you invite to your school social function who's the who's the guest speaker who's the you know um, is it representative of the learners culture the diverse views um, as opposed to trying to enculturate learners into you know the, the dominant the schools at the school or having the view of this is our school and if you if you want to be here you talk like us you speak like us 
go else find mm. your own school. That kind of mentality. Mm. You know, so while we have school management teams, you know, in the legislative side, we have SMTs, we have school governing bodies. We need to have room to handle issues internally. But there has to be people that understand transformation and trans- uh, democracy. Democracy, like I said, in, in more productive ways. We need universities to equip younger teachers, and that for me is a key, to understand that racism is learned. Mm. And therefore it can be unlearned. And you do this through various deliberate um, social justice, or, you know, but, but you see, Dr. Practices. Jerome, that, that, mm. that assumes that racism is something that is in the domain of prejudicial feelings or, or prejudice yeah. towards a certain race group. I think what complicates yeah. it further in South Africa and gives it a structural nature is the fact of, you know, uh, spatial, economic and other forms of apartheid that even if you were to try and change how people see one another, uh, continue to give, I guess, other reinforcing micro-messages. I mean, the fact that, you know, a young Afrikaner kid would not, outside of school, have seen black people in any other roles aside from being at their beck and call and serving them is not unrelated to how they would see black children at school, not as their counterparts or, or, or equals. No, absolutely. I agree 100%. And, you know, just because um, people of color... Uh, do not speak out at, let's say, former white schools. Just because they do not speak out um, against, you know, forms of discrimination, doesn't mean that they accept it. And, and just because our kids are in schools together, doesn't, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that they've integrated. Because mm. when that school bell rings, you're going to go back to your separate enclaves, you know? Mm. And, and so it doesn't mean much to have symbolic interactions at school. Um, and, and teachers and school school governing um, structures plays a critical role in creating, you know, the kind of tolerant culture where we understand, um, you know, multiculturalism, where we understand diversity, where we understand difference. And it's how we productively um, um, engage with, with difference, you know, mm. in our teaching practices. You know, little things like a teacher can, can, you know, give a throwaway remark and say to a black learner, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a good black learner, you speak good English. Mm. Now, while that teacher could mean uh, positive things, it could be seen or it could be experienced as violence must in a compliment. And, and so as teachers, we have to be extremely uh, careful about our own blind spots, mm. you know, and how we engage with with, with learners, uh, a different, uh, how we engage with difference, you know, in our in our classrooms, and so we also need par- parents and, and and politicians who who you know act rationally and don't oversimplify things, or, or don't just call things race, or don't just call things um, you know uh, prejudicial, and so on. We also need to understand. That for the sake of our kids, we, we first have to engage, we first, first have to understand, and then, um, you know, perhaps act. But we also need learners. Um, and, and, and look, young people has been, has borne the brunt of, you know, many forms of discrimination, um, and, you know, in various ways, um, whether financially, whether 
getting access to, to, to resources and so on. And young people in this country are standing up and saying enough is enough mm. because what's the point of going to school if we don't have prospects? Sure. So sure. a lot of stakeholders have to come to a party, have to come to the party, government, parents, learners, um, you know, unions, school governing structures, and we have to find a more productive language mm. of engaging each other. Yeah. Because we have to find a language for our young people mm. who understand each other in, in, in different and in, in more productive ways. But but let's Otherwise, talk about, Dr. Yes. Jerome, I mean, this, this, this idea of a productive language is something I find very yes. interesting. Because, you know, one would have expected that the adults in this situation... Mm would have been able to marshal whatever productive dialogue or opportunity for dialogue in this one. But in none of the cases that I've mentioned, be it Brackenfell, be it Pretoria High School for Girls, be it, you know, in the Andres Babele matter in the 90s, have we seen a productive form of dialogue between the black and white parents? And what that indicates is that, you know... um, what the tensions we see between the children are not just t- between the children are not just tensions that are unique to them as pupils, but are tensions, I guess, that are much wider in the society. And I think this is where then many of us would expect there to be some, you know, government or societal type of process that allows for that dialogue. Yes, and and that's the key. Um, I think that's the key dialogue. You see, we we we've 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 gone ahead with our business after '94, and we've kind of pretended that we've gotten along, and we, we've you know over the years we've kind of uh, kid ourselves to say that we have integrated, that we are you know a a, self, you know, a, a rainbow nation. I think with with Madiba's departure, that notion of rainbow nationism has also kind of waned, and, and in the way. We pretend very often that we are together and that we, you know, in society, whether in schools or churches or whatever, um, it, it, it's not helping us. And so we've we never had a chance to communicate. We never had a conversation. We never had a dialogue. And therefore, I am a, you know, I propose that we, that part of the solution is to have that national indaba as we had it in the past, you know, to to, to provide people an opportunity mm. from all sectors in the, you know, all sectors. But Jerome, have we not had enough of those? I mean, you know, have we not talked ourselves mm-hmm. into a fix? Uh, and some people are saying, and I must say, I mean, I'm, I'm quite sympathetic to this view. Some people are saying that mm. you can't have a project of restorative justice or reconciliation without a material basis to it. Yes. And a lot of what we're talking about here um, is manifestations not only just of cultural or sociocultural power in these yes. old schools that are English and Afrikaans, I guess, in character, outlook, and code of, codes of conduct and all, everything else, and yes. let alone the treatment of people who don't fit that mold. But a lot yes. of that also has a material basis. The people who are contributing to the school, who are funding the sports trips, who are sponsoring you know, the hockey yes. club uh, and who are yes. helping the school get a bus that allows them to play on the weekend all happen to be people who are in the group in the society that has material ascendancy and those happen to be white people. Um, and so, you know, can we have that dialogue without confronting that elephant? Yeah, and, and that's, the, that's the tough ask, right? Because we, we, we become very, very defensive when, when we talk about issues like this. 
And so the moment you raise um, um, these kind of issues, the moment you say, but, you know, the redistribution has to come with a, with a recognition, mm. um, that's the moment when people become very, very defensive and, and people talk about this is ours and that's yours and your government is responsible for that and we've built this, right? And so therefore you can't insist on our, what is ours, what we've built, and therefore, you know, there's no argument, there's no point in, in, in talking. And what people do instead of talking is, is, is go, you know, take, take, uh, take to the law. Um, and, and, and some people who have, uh, you know, access and uh, material wealth and so on seems to have uh, better access mm. to, to their rights. Uh, I mean, I, there's many cases where, where school governing bodies take the government to court and actually win cases. Yes. But when you analyze those cases, you would, would think, but look, on the one hand, they, they seem to be following the law. They seem to be following this legislation that we have negotiated, which is part of the negotiated settlement. But on the justice side of it, you would, I mean, it, it, it's, it's there to see that there's an injustice in, in, in what is being done here. And so we, 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 we don't seem to be talking. Um, you say that we have had a lot of conversations. Um, but have we listened to each other uh, in those conversations? Because a lot of people talk and everybody has their own views and, and people turn to Facebook and things like that and they mm. become very defensive and they oversimplify issues. Um, um, you know, a lot still has to be done. And, and like I said, it's a multidimensional problem. It's, if you touch the one aspect of it, you also touch something else. And so you can't have, in the Nancy Fraser um, you know, idea, you can't have the recognition that something is wrong while you don't have the redistribution part. Where you mm. don't have the material uh, um, part of it because some people are powerful and others are, are power, power marginalized. So it speaks to the the schools, actually, what happens in schools is like a microcosm of what happens in society. And so, therefore, you, you, you can almost understand why people take school issues and, you know, how that becomes part of the, the broader societal debate. It's very unfortunate that things like that happen at the school is still happening today. And it doesn't seem as if when people are pointed out or called out for, for, for their behavior, um, instead of, of talking about the issue, people become very defensive and then we go into these polarized, um, you know, views about, you know, uh, yeah, but you, you talk about racism at school, but what about farmers? Mm. You know, that, that those kind of um, 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 conversations which doesn't, but which doesn't help us to address um, the issue. So on the one hand, we have legislation, but if, if government enforces the law, the legislation that we do have in place, people become very creative and, and start interpreting the very same law and different mm. ways in the actual case. You see? And so it, it feeds into the idea that, you know, some people have given up and say, but we, we are a polarized society. What's the point of trying to understand the other? You know, can't we just accept that we, you know, us and them? 
Well, well, we have to give our young people hope. We can't get into that kind of thinking. You know, we have to we have to speak up, and therefore, um, the past has shown us that fighting um, about this doesn't get us anywhere. Um, uh, uh, we can't get enough of, of talking, and we can't get enough of action. And so, action in terms of teachers in the in the classrooms, um, you know, with with socially productive um, pedagogies. We need parents to um, you know to be actively involved and not and not you know acting rationally. Our politicians, the media uh, plays a role in. in Rejecting issues a particular way. Um, uh, people are gullible nowadays, and, and not very, not very often with with respect. Um, people don't critically engage with issues, and, and mm. so half truths, um, you know, very often become truths, and that's what we we need to guard guard uh, for, guard against. So, so at universities, um, we have a role to play. In introducing um, young teachers that think um, critically and that understand these issues, these hard issues, that mm. they are able to have hard conversations in the classroom about different. But with those hard conversations also comes the idea that we move towards, you know, practice, practices of inclusion, um, understanding kids are different, mm. Um, mm. understanding that that. The School, school rules um, have to change uh, with the context. Yeah, yeah. Um, understanding that you you don't have hard and fast traditional things where people have to, you know, be enculturated into, mm. because that's 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 not real. That's not real transformation yeah, or understanding yeah. of democracy. Doctor Jerome, yes, can I just leave it there? Um, yeah. And I want to thank you for taking time out to speak to us. I think you're, you're leaving us on a very, very important cliffhanger there, this issue of codes of conduct. Um, yeah. And I guess the aspirational norm that is embedded in a lot of the value judgments that go into that. Um, what is behavior that is becoming versus behavior that is unbecoming um, and what yeah. uh, informs that particular one. So I want to thank you for taking time out to speak to us. Certainly, I guess not the last time we're going to be picking up on this issue because that's the nature of unfinished business. just keeps on popping up. Uh, but thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. Thanks, Abonga. Thank you to the listeners. Yeah, that's uh, Dr. Jerome there speaking to us from uh, the University of Stellenbosch. Uh, and uh, I don't know what you make of this. I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, on this matter. Uh, Dr. Jerome, you're a lecturer in the Department of Education Policy Studies there at Stellenbosch. And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you make of what's happening out in Randfontein. You might be a parent there.